quick word of warning before we get into this episode of Q-Tips for May 14th. We had a lot of technical issues on this episode, but we kind of just rolled with it. So if the episode doesn't make a whole lot of sense, we apologize. We hope you have as much fun listening to this as we didn't have making it because it was kind of a nightmare. But hey, there you go. That's show business. Welcome back to another episode of Q-Tips, the special feature from the Video Store Junkies podcast, where we recommend you a bunch of movies that you can either go watch or not. We don't really care. Now, uh, <laughs> we've already been recording for about half an hour, except we weren't actually recording, so that's fun. So we're going to jump right into it. It was rehearsal. It was rehearsal. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, we were doing a rehearsal. And uh, honestly, I think this is going to be our best episode yet, because, man, we have this sucker nailed. So mm. I'm going to throw it straight to Bill Mulligan, who has some really fresh takes. I have no <laughs> idea what he's going to recommend. Bill, what's your first pick? No, you don't. My first pick is uh, City of the Living Dead by Lucio Fulci, which is um, part of his kind of uh, weird trilogy that includes, um, let's see, the, uh, the Beyond and um, something that isn't the Beyond, because that makes three. So City of the Living Dead is, is about a priest who hangs himself in a graveyard, and that, as it will, opens the gates of hell, and people go to investigate it, and zombies come out. Like most of Fulci's films, it's not big on narrative logic. But what really surprised me catching it on, on Shudder with a great print was just how beautiful it was. And I think Fulci has always had the reputation if you, the, the, of the three big directors, the Italian directors, Mario Bava, everyone knows, genius, brilliant, ahead of his time. Uh, <laughs> Dario Argento, spectacular, bombastic, huge fall, but at his height, he was, he was a superstar. And Fulci was kind of like the little, you know, just the guy who, he wasn't talented enough to be Bava, and he didn't have a big enough budget to be Argento, and he just, you know, kind of got the scraps. But I think he's due for a reevaluation because looking at good prints, which we didn't get back in the day, they, they had horrible duped copies of his stuff. You realize he was a craftsman. His, his stuff, really beautiful. This movie is, is gratuitous and gory and ludicrous, but it's got some unforgettable sequences that are really brilliantly put together and lit. And now his zombies are the slowest zombies in film. You literally have to be, you not only, standing still would still, you would still have a chance of getting away from their zombies. You almost have to walk right into them. His, his movies have a dreamlike quality that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So these zombies don't seem strong enough to, uh, you know, open an envelope. But if they grab you by the back of the head, they will squeeze until your brains seep out between their fingers. I can't explain that. I can't do that. Nobody can. Weightlifters couldn't do that. But they somehow can but they're gorgeous. They look like an EC comic book come to life. And it's got, the, but the only thing anyone remembers about this is got the classic scene of a girl puking up her guts <laughs> for no particular reason, but that's what she does. And some of it is using a, a mannequin and some of it is using an actress who is willing to, you know, put pig guts in her mouth and puke it out, which is just mm. so disgusting. It's really gross. Um, if, you, if you can stand it, if you can stomach it, watch this it's fun because again you're watching a filmmaker who if there's a scene where a woman has to be in a coffin that some guy who's trying to mind you rescue her by digging in with a, a pickaxe just slamming it into the ground going right into the coffin and it stops like an inch away from her eye that was achieved by putting a woman in a coffin and slamming a pickaxe through the top until it ended up an inch away from her eye these these guys this is you know just guerrilla filmmaking 
it's it's great it's great i'm sure the actress still probably had to go to therapy but uh, this is this <laughs> is a fun stuff and it'll make you want to watch a lot of fulci stuff i'd avoid some of his later stuff in the same way that i would avoid some of argento's later stuff not everybody was like baba good to the very end but uh yeah and then you might want to check out some of his other stuff too he's he's an underrated talent and i'm, I'm starting to explore more of his stuff city of the living dead and i will throw this to zach oh boy well my first movie is gonna be uh one of my favorites from the early or yeah early early 2010s and uh film's name is hobo with a shotgun now, this film stars Rutger Hauer as a hobo with, uh, I don't think I'm giving anything away here, uh, a shotgun. And uh, he's riding the rails. He's just trying to make a living. He's trying to get enough money to buy a new lawnmower, actually use lawnmower, because he sees one in a pawn shop window. But then things start to go awry because the city that he stops in is run by the Drake and his really, really horrible sons, freaking Ivan. And uh, so he proceeds to uh, carry out some hobo justice on these on these this family. And uh, I will say this is a, a uh, this is an exploitation film. This is basically a throwback. In fact, I would argue this is better than it originated as a trailer on Grindhouse. I believe they he actually won a contest, and in certain regions it was included as one of the trailers. And I would actually argue that this movie is a better exploitation film than at least one of those movies. I'm not going to say which. So. It's very violent. It's very gory. It's got a really amazing villain duo who I wish they would spin off into their own movie. And I really wish that Jason Eisner would make another movie because as I was talking about last week, uh, you know, he's doing some great stuff now. He's doing Dark Side of the Ring, which is amazing. But uh, yeah, I, I wish he'd go back to making feature films because this one is absolutely crazy. It's absolutely over the top. It's got a guy getting his head ripped off and then a woman proceeding to dance in the geyser of blood that uh, comes out of his neck. So if that sounds like something you're into, I would definitely uh, check this one out. Yeah. So <laughs> man, it felt really, it felt much better the first time, but uh, that's okay. That's what she said. Uh, hey, no! uh, Paul, how about, oh, wait, 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 you threw it to me and then I threw it to you. Wait a minute. <laughs> no, Bill threw it to you. Those are breaking the, the yeah. format all over the place. Wait, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just very confused. I threw it to uh -oh. Bill, and then Bill threw it to me. That means I have to throw it back to Bill. That's what? the way it works. Dropping out. Is that how it actually works? Kidding. Keith will just pong it back and forth. Oh, yeah, uh, we have to actually recommend their movies for them because uh, yes. no, I'm just kidding. Renee, uh, what's what's your first pick? Oh boy, my first pick is Creep, uh, 2014 American uh, psychological horror, which is directed by Patrick Bryce. It was actually. Um, Produced by Mark Dupless and Patrick Bryce and Mark Dupless both star in this together. They also wrote this together. Um, it's kind of inspired by experiences that they had, um, you know, using Craigslist and uh, some movies that that they enjoyed. I don't want to give away too much, so I'm not going to mention those movies. Um, anyway, uh, so Mark Dupless is a guy who is suffering from a terminal illness and he hires a videographer uh, via, you know, an online ad similar to Craigslist to kind of record a diary for him, uh, to present to his unborn child that he does not expect to, uh, be around for, unfortunately. Um, and so, you know, you kind of go through the time with these guys as they have conversations, they partake in activities, they get to know each other a little bit. It's very character 
driven story. Um, and again, very much like the title implies, uh, has some creepy moments. It's, uh, a little awkward, a little tense at times. Um, but overall, good movie. There is a sequel. Uh, and apparently they are also looking into making a third. Um, but yeah, very enjoyable movie. And uh, I believe you can watch that on Netflix. And I will pass it to Paul now that he is back. <laughs> I missed what you I missed what you were doing, what movie you did. I did creep. <laughs> oh, okay. Creep. Yeah, creep's great. Um well, thank you for for passing it to me, Renee. Now that I now that I've returned, um, uh, not from the dead though. Um, my films are is not a horror film. There's no blood. There's no zombies. Um, it is a 2013's "We Are the Best," or in Swedish because it's a Swedish film, "Vi Are Best," according to uh, Google Google Translate. That's how you say it. "Vi Are Best." We are the best. It is uh, currently showing on Canopy with a K, Magnolia Selects, and Pluto TV, so you can catch it for free. Um, it is by writer-director Lucas Moodyson, based on the graphic novel Never Good Night by his wife, Coco Moodyson. And in this, we go back to 1982 Stockholm. Uh, there are two teenage girls, Bobo and Clara, and it is actually played by, they look like they're about 13, which is how old they're supposed to be. And uh, they're kind of from a rough part of town, and they, they hang out at the local uh, um, youth center. And unfortunately, they tend to get booted from the room they like to hang out in because there's a band of uh, called Iron Fist that was boys that are a couple years older than them, and they use that room for their for their rehearsal space. And they keep booting them out. And so, and the youth guy at the youth center is like, "Well, yeah, it's rehearsal space. You guys can't be here if you're not a band." So the girls are like. Fuck you. Okay, we're going to be a band. We can't really play instruments, but that's sort of the punk aesthetic. So, yeah, we're going to be a band. And uh, they end up getting a third member, who's Clara, who is a... I'm sorry, that Hedwig, who is a shy religious girl they meet in, in school. And they convince her to join their band as well. And then the rest of the film is sort of this sort of standard coming-of-age, uh, young people forming a band. And then, you know, there's some... There's, you know, the them getting friendlier and making the band better. And then you have some, you know, the, the band drama where they kind of break up and you know, it's, it's sort of standard, but it's, it's, it's actually really sweet. It's a really sweet film. It's a fun film has a great kind of punk aesthetic too. the characters um, have, have that, that punk attitude about them and it's, it's really enjoyable. So I, I highly recommend it again. It's called, we are the best and it is in Swedish. And, uh, and then again, in Swedish is the, are bast and it's on canopy with a k magnolia selects and pluto tv and um i believe we've gone round robin so i think it goes back to mr bill mulligan mr bill mulligan what do you have for us next i have a little film by dario argento named inferno in swedish it's and uh, it's a, a sort of a <laughs> sequel to suspiria but maybe maybe who knows it, there, the, none of these movies make any sense. So yeah, sure, it's a sequel. And he later, you know, apparently there were these three mothers. They're witches. There was Mother Suspirium and Mother Tenebre, and, and then I guess he felt it had to be a trilogy. And then he made Mother of Tears. Don't bother yeah. watching Mother of Tears. It's run from ugly. it. It's run. Yeah, I mean, you know, Argento at his best is able to show this incredible graphic horror in a way that is like a beautiful ballet of death. And 
Mother of Tears is just ugly and unpleasant. Uh, you know, I, I, I seriously, I don't know what happened. I really don't. It, it always baffles me when, when someone has a severe artistic decline, you start wondering, wow, were they ever that good to begin with? And then you watch the early stuff. It's like, yeah, damn good. And Inferno is great. I think Inferno is a seriously underrated movie. Even more so than Suspiria, it is dreamlike, which is to say the plot makes no freaking sense whatsoever. Mm. But it's got some beautiful imagery and um, just just some really great stuff in it. And it's another favorite of mine because it's one of the last bits of work from my favorite director, Mario Bava, who um, Argento idolized and invited him to provide some of the optical effects and matte paintings and things. I mean, Bava was just one of those guys that was like, I got to make someone look like a giant. He'd show you how to do it with mirrors. He just had this skill. And supposedly from Wikipedia, and why would they lie, that some of the uh, cityscape views that you see in Inferno are actually (laughs) stuff that he made out of milk cartons covered with photographs, which doesn't at all sound like it should work, but I I completely believe it because, I mean, this guy made like uh, Planet of the Vampires recreate a whole planet out of basically tabletops, smoke machines and mirrors, just crazy stuff. So it's got some of that. It's just a real great example of late 70s, early 80s. um, That just kind of that, that neat stylistic horror stuff. And one of the last really good um, Dario Argento movies. This stuff is definitely worth watching. Get, get them early and right up through Inferno. I, I, I'll give it all the way through Opera. And then you can you can choose to watch a few here and there, but you'll, you'll quickly tire. And by the time you get to Dracula, you've given up, and as well you should. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but it's uh, there's some good stuff. There, there's a number of good ones on Shutter Inferno, and then then watch Deep Red and really get ready to be blown away. Mm. Good thing. So I will throw this to. Wait a minute. Okay, so I will throw it to Renee. <laughs> <laughs> I, that may be like what I did last time. I like did it. I, did I? No, really? I like it. No rules. Yeah, we're. Just, Hey, it's, it's, not that I'm trying, it's I'm not trying to deliberately. Uh, it's, I literally don't remember what I did last. Look, time. look, I ruined everything by not recording for half an hour. So you can <laughs> do whatever the hell you I'm want. Just, I'm just bamboozled now. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, my it's my anarchy. usual razor sharp photographic memory is no longer <laughs> operating. <laughs> oh, it's exciting though. It keeps it exciting. Uh, my <laughs> my next pick is because I'm not even remotely uh, prepared either. So my next pick is the 2006 movie. It is a mockumentary, uh, say black comedy slasher. It is Behind the Mask: Rise of Leslie Vernon. Ah. It is available on Amazon. And so in this world, say that The Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the Thirteenth are really considered documentaries. Um, that these guys are like real actual serial killer type murderers that actually exist. And this guy, uh, Leslie, he wants to really be one of them. And so he hires a documentary film crew to uh, follow his footsteps to of how he's going to turn into this guy and how he is going to kind of lay waste to this small Maryland town. And uh, it's it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed this movie very much, and it did, it did not get a whole lot of love. I don't think a very small, limited release. And uh, but I recommend it. It's a lot of fun, and uh, just a sh- 
you know, short, quick, easy one there. Uh, and now I think I too am confused. So I think, uh, Paul, or are we done? <laughs> no, no, no. Zach and I still haven't done our second one. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Wow. I've, I've screwed up everything. It's great. Uh, no, once again, it was my fault. <laughs> I'm trying to make Zach feel better. It's like, yeah, the, the thing was nice. totally fudged up, but, you know, uh, mulligan. He was just talking about how easy it's been to edit these shows, so... so hey uh uh, paul what's your next oh wow okay so the last film took place in 1982 and uh this one was filmed in not 1982 um it was filmed in (laughs) 1988 um it is tape heads one word Hmm. tape heads it's currently showing on the roku channel voodoo free that's v-u-d-u voodoo free popcorn flicks and Plex, but I think you can also find a copy on YouTube, but it's, I don't think it's a very good copy. Anyway, um, this is a comedy from 1988 um, starring John Cusack and Tim Robbins, and they are basically security guards who are a bit of a fuck-up, and they get they get fired, and they're like, let's start our own video production company <laughs> called Video Aces, and so they start making music videos and commercials. And uh, um, Tim Robbins is just like, uh, not Tim Robbins, uh, John Cusack is like gleefully slimy in this. Just has even this slimy look. It's great. It is just this very bizarre comedy. Um, in it, they um, has tons of cameos. In it, they run into uh, the their favorite band from the 70s, the Swank Modes, which are played by Sam Moore from Sam and Dave and Junior Walker from you know, Junior Walker and the All-Stars. And they're like, wow, we need to get these guys the the respect they deserve. They need to still be big. So they they try to come they come up with a scheme where basically they're gonna kind of take over a Menudo concert and and uh-huh. have this one. Uh oh. Uh oh. Now we'll never know what happened Uh-oh. at the Menudo concert. Damn. You'll never find out. Uh-huh. <laughs> Menudo. It's fine. Well, you know what? I'm not even going to edit this out because, uh, you know what? This is this is the wild card episode. So I'm just going to take over until yeah. Paul comes back. And I just want to say, you know, if there's one thing that people say about me, it's that I bleed gasoline and I piss motor oil. And oh, I thought you were going to the say, doctors, they say they used to be a member of Menudo. <laughs> Uh, that too. Uh, that is that is a rumor I'm trying to squash. I did have a poster of Zach on my wall when I was a child. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> Perfect. Didn't you know? Oddly, also I had a poster of myself on my wall as I was a child, but I think that's something completely different. He took, Anyways, he took puberty blockers until he was 26, and they kicked him out. <laughs> my point is, I love cars, and I I love driving, and I love car culture. I'm just kidding. I don't know anything about cars, but Oil I do love a movie. Your blood. I do. I do love a movie about cars called Pit Stop from 1969. Now, this film is by Jack Hill, who, if you love exploitation films of the 70s, you've definitely seen his work. He directed such films as The Big Dollhouse, The Big Bird Cage, Coffee, Foxy Brown, The Swinging, The Swinging Cheerleaders, and Switchblade Sisters. Um, this is this definitely has some of those exploitation themes to it, but it's not quite an exploitation film. It's much more about car culture. Like I said, it starts Richard Davalos as Rick Bowman, who's kind of this brooding street race driver, and he gets recruited to race in a on a figure eight track, which, if you don't know, is I guess something that actually existed. It's just a track that's uh, in the in the in a figure eight, and but there's no overpass or anything, so. 
if you go through the intersection at the wrong time, you, you, you may just run into someone else and crash. And so it's basically half race, half demolition derby. And if you're like me, you know, the crashes are the best part of the race. So this was definitely really interesting to me. Lots of great stunts, except they're not really stunts because apparently they filmed everything at an actual figure eight racetrack. So every crash you see, uh, you know, every every time that a car gets totaled, that's actually happening, which obviously not something that they would probably do today. But like I said, it's got Richard Davalos in it, who's been in a bunch of other stuff. He was actually his first role was in East of Eden playing James Dean's brother. But the thing about this movie that I think is really remarkable is some of the supporting cast. It's got Beverly Washburn in it, who you may not be familiar with, but I actually recognized her from a single episode of Star Trek, the original series that she was in. And I watched this episode like years and years ago, and yet I still recognized her. So she's got a very memorable look. Also, a uh, young Ellen Burstyn, who obviously went on to great things in, you know, pretty, it was only a couple of years after this that she was in The Exorcist. But uh, this is one of those movies, one of her early movies where you kind of already see kind of, you know, that she's probably going to go on to great things. And last but not least, I think probably the most impressive performance in this movie is uh, from none other than Mr. Sid Haig, who I was very familiar, obviously, with his kind of new work, his his, I guess, once he got into like his third wave of his career and he got kind of rediscovered by like Rob Zombie and Quentin Tarantino. And he was kind of put into a lot of their movies as kind of, you know, a weird villain. In this movie, he's not exactly a villain. He, he does play kind of the rival race car driver to Rick Bowman. And he's the guy who kind of rules this figure eight track. And he's kind of vying with uh, Rick for supremacy. But uh, he's I really love his performance in this. It's definitely a side of him that I'd never seen before. And it's one of those movies that like it makes me kind of re-examine him and actually want to go back and look at some of his other stuff that he did around the same time, because it's very different from a lot of the newer stuff that he did. And so also, uh, you know, Sid Haig was also in an episode of Star Trek. So I guess uh, him and Beverly Washburn have that in common. Um, anyways, uh, I don't know how the hell I'm going to edit this together, but uh, let's go back over to Paul, who we lost at one point and I had to take over. And uh, now hopefully he can finish telling us about Menudo. <laughs> Yeah, let me see if we can do this before uh, before my network craps out again. So um, I'm I'm bringing us back to 1988. Tapeheads, one word, tapeheads, currently showing on the Roku channel, Voodoo Free, Popcorn Flicks, and Plex. Though you might be able to find a crappy version on YouTube as well. Um, it stars John Cusack and Tim Robbins as. Uh, kind of fuck up security guards, they get fired, and they decide, sure, let's, uh, you know, instead, we'll start a video production company that's called Video Aces. And they um, start doing music videos and commercials, and uh, they end up running into the Swank Modes, which was their favorite 70s band, and it's played by Sam Moore from Sam and Dave and uh, Junior Walker from Junior Walker and the All-Stars. And uh, they decide, you know, we need to get these guys famous again. They didn't, they, they deserve to be big again. So uh, they come up with a scheme to basically kind of uh, take over a Menudo concert and get these guys famous. But it's just this bizarre mix of, of music videos and commercials. There's a, all sorts of weird stuff. Uh, there's tons of cameos. Uh, uh, Fishbone shows up as Ranchbone. Uh, and they actually, it has a country western band called Ranchbone. And they do the incidental music. It's got uh, Clue Gallagher, Doug McClure, Jessica Walter, Susan Tyrell, Connie Stevens. Courtney Love has like an uncredited what? role. King, 
Yeah. Um, well, she was like, and King Cotton is in there as Roscoe from Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, <laughs> which is a real place in L.A. But then they have him do this commercial where he does a, a rap. Um, doesn't quite age that well, but it's it was definitely a, a an interesting point in the movie. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic, Don Cornelius of Soul Train shows up and is Ooh. an absolute freaking hoot. He is really hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Martha Quinn, um, uh, Ted Jeez. Nugent, Mike Nes. Mike Nesbeth of the Monkeys, who's one of the what? producers, isn't it? Jello Biafra shows up as an FBI agent. Um, and the the soundtrack is amazing. It's got um one of the things it's got, let's say it's got Devo in it singing in Swedish. Um it's of course it has quite a, a number of tunes by uh Sam Moore and Junior Walker as the swank modes, which is pretty cool. And uh, it's got fishbone in there, it's got a ton of stuff. Oh. It is it is it is one worth checking out. Some of the stuff doesn't quite age that well. I you have to I have to admit, especially mm-hmm. things like uh, Roscoe's um, uh, rap can be a little uh, cringy. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, and it's but overall, it's really an excellent. It's really a fun film and just really bizarre. Um, and and John Cusack just looks like he's such a slime ball in it, and he's got his hair slicked back, a little pencil thin mustache, and everything. It's as well worth checking out. So that's tape heads from 1988. And so, do I pretend like I pass this on to somebody, or do we end it? I'm not. No, sure. I'm. I'm. We're not even all. pretending anymore. We <laughs> we yeah. ended up. We actually just end the <laughs> podcast because obviously we're just too incompetent. Um, and by we, I mean me. Um, no, I I think that's it for tonight. I am gonna. I'll put a disclaimer at the front of the episode to uh, tell people that it's a very confusing episode and. Uh, but you know what? I I'm not going to do the work it takes to put it together and make it, uh, actually make it sound coherent. So. It'll be the most popular. Oh my! <laughs> yeah, it'll be our most downloaded episode ever. Yeah. Uh, I think that's there it. So uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And if you were super confused by any of that, uh, as always, I will say all of the movies that we talked about after uh, we say goodbye. So listen for another 45 seconds or whatever, and uh, I'll, I'll cover all the things that we actually talked about. Uh, Paul, did you have a song you wanted to sing us out with? Well, I tried to look up the lyrics to the Roscoe rap, and I I found a Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles rap, but I don't think it was the right one. Oh so, and and I can't do uh, Devo's Baby Doll in Swedish. Mm. So uh, you can like try and throw one of those over top of it, because uh, other than that, you know, I could just try and do Amsterdam again. But that's about oh boy, it. oh boy. <laughs> I think let's just let's just make it Amsterdam. At least we can do one thing right on this episode. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about Amsterdam. that. All right. Mm. Uh, Amsterdam, Amsterdam. This podcast is Amsterdam, Amsterdam, Amsterdam. Amsterdam. And once again, if you weren't able to keep track of this episode, which I mean, we weren't able to keep track of this episode, so we wouldn't blame you if you weren't. Uh, here are all of the picks for this week, the week of May 14th. Bill suggested City of the Living Dead, which is currently on Shudder, Prime, Voodoo, Tubi, Night Flight, and Canopy, and Inferno, which is on Shudder, Voodoo, Stars, Tubi, and Canopy. Renee suggested Creep, which is on Netflix, and Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, which is currently on Prime and Shudder. Paul suggested We Are the Best, or in sweetest, Be the Best, which is currently on Pluto TV, Canopy, and Magnolia Selects, and Tapeheads, which is on the Roku channel, Voodoo, Popcorn Flicks, and Plex. And I suggested Hobo with a Shotgun, which is currently available on Prime, Roku, Hoopla, Voodoo, Tubi, and Plex, and Pit Stop, which is currently available on the Arrow Player and Tubi. Tubi.